Welcome to Raising Resilient Children in the Age of Digital Dependency Micro Audio Summit, designed especially to help you, moms and dads, to have better relationships with your kids, more confidence in your parenting, and less stress in your life. Throughout these interviews, you'll hear speakers who will share life-changing tools and strategies that you can quickly and easily follow and use with your family, starting today. I'm your host, Kathy Vambenthuysen, 20-year mom, 30-year educator, and creator of Conversation. I am so excited to bring you these expert interviews. Let's get started. You are going to love this topic. Today, I'm chatting with my good friend, Angie Weber, about embracing failure, building resilience in our kids for future success. And before we dive into the conversation, let me tell you a little bit about Angie. Angie Weber is the creator of The Parent Toolbox and host of the podcast, Mom Essentials, and is on a mission to help break generational parenting cycles. Angie helps parents build their own toolboxes with new strategies and approaches to be more proactive with their family's health, physically, emotionally, and mentally. She believes as we change conversations, we can change generations. With that in mind, how are you, Angie? I am so excited to be here with you, Kathy, and so excited for the listeners because I hope they take a lot away from this because your summit has some pretty big goals, but they're so needed in today's world. So I hope that I can contribute greatly to that. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and it's so special to have you here. So today we're delving into the topic, embracing failure, building resilience in our kids for future success, which focuses on the beauty that can come from failure and why it's a key part of building resilience. And when I, I was looking at this topic, I was like, oh, this is going to be so good for people to hear. So one of the things that I was thinking about is why is it harmful to be a helicopter or lawnmower parent? And maybe even just to define those terms for anyone out there listening was like, wait, what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think in any terms of our lives, it's really easy to go from one extreme to the other, right? Like we have the latchkey kids that grew up or their parents. I remember hearing someone say that there was like a commercial on like, where are your kids? Do you know where they are at like 10 o'clock at night? So like kids kind of just ran wild and went everywhere they went. And now we've gotten to the other extreme where we are kind of on top of them all the time. So worried about everything that they're doing wanting to make sure that they are safe 100% of the time in all the different terms. And uh, of course, helicopter parents have become more popular. And so that is someone who kind of hovers over their child all the time, don't really take their eyes off of them. But I heard lawnmower parent a few years ago, and I'd never heard it before. It was actually probably when my kids were like two or three. And I actually heard it at a seminar uh, from our church. Our pastor was giving a sermon. And uh, I was kind of like, what, why, what does this have to do with church, first of all? And I was like, what the heck is a lawnmower parent? But once he started explaining it, I was like, oh, my gosh. So a lawnmower parent is one of those people who mow, mow out all the obstacles for their kids. So anything that comes their way, the, the parent is in front of them. You can also think of this as like bulldozer parents where they don't want their kids to struggle at all. But here's the damaging part of that is that if we don't allow them to struggle, they're not building up their suffering muscle. And when they don't build up their suffering muscle, eventually we are not going to be there to be the lawnmower or the bulldozer or the helicopter around them. And they're not going to know what to do. 
And in today's world with the mental health issues rising for children, unfortunately, suicide ideation and attempts rising for children, we really need to make sure that we are helping them build those skills. So when they do face challenges and adversity in their life, they have the proper tools in order to get through it, not just stop and say, oh, gosh, I've never had to deal with this before. And their body kind of goes out of control because they're like, I don't know what to do with all these feelings. So even though we have the best intentions, we need to be the safety belt and not the bulldozer for our children so that they can understand that they can, too, get over different challenges and failures in life. Yes. So I've never heard that term, suffering muscle. Oh, yeah. Can you, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. And that was a term that our pastor used as well. And he really brought it back actually to the fact of technology. And he was saying, you know, kids these days, we give them these tablets, we give them these phones, they're constantly in front of them. And then when we take them away, they're not sure what to do because all of a sudden they're like, oh gosh, I'm bored. Like this is uncomfortable. What am I supposed to do with this? I'm never bored because I always have the stimulation in front of me all of the time. And so when we can have them, quote unquote, suffer a little bit, I mean, of course, I hope we can all understand what we mean by suffer. We're not going to be like, hey, it's negative 30 out. Go figure out how to live outdoors. But we can be like, hey, you've been on your tablet for 10 minutes. It's time to get off of it and, uh, you know, kind of have them go through that wave of emotions of like, "Ooh, this is uncomfortable. Now I'm not really sure what to do. This is a little bit of a challenge that I have to figure out. And the more that we can introduce situations like that, again, that suffering muscle that they're building up as far as how to get through these suffering situations is going to get stronger and stronger. And one of the other things that he really referenced was the fact that college professors were getting calls from parents about their kids' grades in college. And you may expect that in, you know, middle school, maybe even high school. But in college, it's kind of that aha moment of like, whoa, we have not prepared our kids enough in order to have these conversations with other adults when they're having a conflict like this. And guess what? Mom and dad are not going to be there in the workforce with you, most likely. They're not going to be able to help you problem solve with your coworker or your boss. So, again, the sooner we can start building up their suffering muscle with these different tools, the better off they're going to be in the future. I heard just recently that there are employers that are saying that college-age kids are having their parents come with them to interviews. I'm cringing. I said, oh my goodness, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah. And again, I feel like we've gone from one extreme to the other where it was kind of like some older generational parents are kind of like, go do your thing. You figure it out. And now we've probably through the process of wanting to heal our own wounds, we've gone to the way opposite extreme. And that's not good for anyone either. And I talk about that a lot with boundaries, too. And this I mean, building resilience and helping your kids, you know, build up their suffering muscle has a lot of boundaries that we also place on with our kids. And what can happen is, especially as moms, you may relate to this. Uh, typically, we're very underbounded. We say yes to absolutely everything. We want to take care of everyone. We put ourselves last, all those kinds of things. And then once we kind of reach our breaking point, we're like, we're going to set boundaries. And then when we don't understand the different style of boundaries, we go to the overbounded where we're like, it's my way or the highway now. It's no to everything. And again, that can be just as damaging. So we need to find this happy medium, this like okay. healthy place of being proactive with parenting and still making our kids be accountable for their choices and sharing consequences with them and giving them the tools that they're going to need later on in life. 
you said something about from our own experiences, we parent our children, but sometimes in, you know, whatever your experience was growing up, we always, as parents, we want it to be better for our kids. And oftentimes we become helicopter parents or lawnmower parents because we don't want them to have to go through the same things that we have. And that's Mm -hmm. probably not a good idea. So why is it important for kids to experience failure and sex? Yeah, well, especially at a younger age, it's way better for them to experience those when they have a soft pillow to land on, right? Just like a gymnast. You're not going to tell your 10-year-old to go out, do three backflips outside, you know, and just good luck. You've never done one before, but I hope you make it. Start in a gym with like a foam, things like that. So we want to make sure that kids are able to experience failure at a younger age when they still have the safety home and still getting our help. It's not that we're going to necessarily fix it all the time because, again, we want to build up that problem solving. We want to be able to build up that suffering muscle. But it's less likely that they're going to fall and not be able to get back up if we're there to be their landing. So it's really important. And it's so hard. It is so hard to do this sometimes as a parent. I've been through it many times where my kids will come with an issue and my mommy heart breaks and my mama bear wants to come out and I have to hold back because I know I need to teach them how to get through this problem and how to have proper communication when they have a failure. Because again, we're going to be setting them up for success so that they're not dragging me to a job interview when they're 22 They're able to make that appointment by themselves, pick out their clothes and get to that appointment on time Mm -hmm. and be able to adult. That that is the goal. So you said that it's important for kids to fail, but why is it just as important for them to see us fail? Yes, us as parents, we want to try project this perfection to our kids. The thing is, kids don't want perfect parents. They just want us as parents. And it's really important for them to see how we handle adversity and failures just as much as it's them going through it in their own experience. Because if they see us doing everything perfect all the time, we hide everything behind the doors and we don't show them any kind of failure, they may have this perception like, oh my gosh, mom and dad are so perfect. How am I ever going to live up to that? And if I fail, Ooh, can I even tell them about that? Are they going to be there for me? Because I've never seen them fail. Now, I am not telling you to share all your dirty secrets with your kids and, you know, marital problems, anything like that. But kids absorb a lot of things and they watch us constantly. So if we can be a good role model on how to bounce back from failure and be resilient ourselves, they're going to be able to pick up on a lot of those tools and start adding them into their own toolbox. And that's important for kids to see because we can model this is how I handle failure, disappointment. And if we don't show those things to our kids, how do we expect them to be able to experience failure and not fall apart? Yeah, exactly. And failure is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, think about how many people who have failed, for example, in business, and then it's opened up this other great opportunity. It is really a learning lesson. And again, we want to make sure that we're preparing our kids for these different learning lessons while they're younger in preparation to possibly bigger learning lessons happening in the future, but they're still going to be able to use those tools in order to get over them. And that's, and it kind of goes back to that suffering muscle that if they, experience failure 
when they're little and that as they get bigger, obviously the failures, you know, quote unquote failures can become bigger, but you learn from them. You That suffering muscle gets to be developed a little bit and, oh, I remember I failed in this. So it's okay if I fail in, in the next thing because I know that I'm going to make it through and I know that my parents are there for me. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with emotional regulation as well when we are faced with failure. Because again, I don't want to speak for everyone, but a lot of past generations, when it came to emotions, we were really told to suppress them. We were told, don't be sad, don't be angry. You lost that game. It's not that big a deal. And maybe it was a really big deal to us. Maybe it was a championship game. Maybe it was just a random Tuesday game that we just had our heart set on you know, winning. And to us, it was a big deal, but we were constantly getting these messages that we shouldn't feel this way or that way. So what did we do? We suppressed them. We pushed them down. We wanted them down so far because, again, they're uncomfortable. So as adults, what happens is that these emotions start coming up and they're uncomfortable and we're like, oh, I, I don't know how to deal with this. Again, it's uncomfortable. And we may go to survival coping skills. Like, for example, Extreme ones could be gambling, drinking, drugs, smoking, bad relationships with food. I mean, those are extremes, right? But it's something to numb out that feeling because we don't know how to process it. So imagine if we don't allow our kids to understand how to express their emotions at a younger age and we're a lawnmower parent where everything is rainbows and butterflies because we are working extra hard to mow out all those obstacles. When they're older and these feelings of disappointment, let's say they're in high school and they get rejected by someone that they asked out, like if they don't know how to deal with those feelings and understand how to express them in healthy ways, there can be really drastic effects of that. Hmm. So when your child fails, it hurts our hearts as parents. So what can we do to better support them? Yeah. So again, I've been here so many times. I remember my son came home off of the bus and he was in tears. And he came in, I think I was working in our room and he came in. I was like, you know, what's wrong, buddy? And he goes, so-and-so um, didn't sit with me on the bus today. He never wants to sit with me anymore. And this was a child who had come into the school. He was newer. And my son kind of really befriended him and, you know, really wanted to hang out with him because he saw that he didn't have any friends. And now my son was feeling very kind of rejected as this child was growing more in, in the area and in school with different friendships. So what was the first thing that I wanted to do? Woo, I wanted to call that mom and be like, hey, what's going on? You know, why is he not sitting with my son? You know, my son was so nice and sweet to him. That was my mama bear wanting to come out. But I really had to take a step back, check my own emotions with the situation, use my own tools to calm down. And then I was able just to sit with him in it. Sometimes that's all our children need is they need to be just heard and share that space, knowing that you're there, you're that pillow in that comfort, comforting, but just be able to express their emotions. And I tell parents too, like when your child comes to you with a problem, maybe it's a failure, you can ask them, are you looking just to tell me about this or would you like to give me some advice? And I call it heard versus helped. And you really need to decide which one is that way. And then you can start helping them through the process. So what do you think would happen if you went to so-and-so and asked him to sit with you tomorrow? My son was like, well, I don't know. I don't think he'd want to do that. Okay, well, what do you think he would say if you did? Should we try practice how you're going to ask him? You know, you can start guiding them through it without trying to fix the problem right away. And again, even though your heart is like, oh, gosh, I just 
I just want to fix it and I'll just drive you every day to school then. Like you really need to hold those feelings back and try guide your child so that they can develop better problem solving skills. Yeah, that's so important because those problem solving skills are going to, I mean, that's a benefit throughout life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're so important. And again, we can see, you know, as children get older and into adolescence and adulthood, kind of those who have more refined problem skills than others do. Problem solving skills are so essential in so many different areas of life. And we really want to make sure that we are equipping them with this type of situation. Again, while they still have us to land on, we can still be their guide. And also they can practice it for a long time, right? It doesn't mean they're going to get it right all of the time because let's face it, us adults don't get it all right all the time. Sometimes we still let our big emotions come out. Sometimes my mama bear still comes out once in a while in these situations. But we really need to make sure, again, that we're helping them build up their toolboxes so that they're not in their adulthood going back to square one and trying to figure it out then. Hmm. Oh. Wow. This is so amazing. I'm sure that there are people out there listening saying, oh, I didn't think of it this way before, or that's a new way of looking. This was fantastic. Now, I was taking a look at your free resource. It looks excellent. I downloaded it already. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the free offer that I have for your listeners today is to download my Building Resilience in Our Kids ebook. And what this is, it's just going to talk a little bit more in depth about resilience, the key points of it, because let's face it, especially after the pandemic, everyone says kids are so resilient, just bounce back. But if you really look at it, they haven't. And resilience is something that we're necessarily born with to be able to teach this to our children. So I'm going to walk you through some of the challenges your kids might be faced with really need some resilience in these different perspectives, and then also guide you through a few different um, areas and activities and workbook style kind of so you can go along with it just to, in order to help build that resilience up throughout your home. And I always say it's a family activity. Like this is not just something you hand to your kids that they just need to work on. It's so much better when we can do it as a family. So I have things like affirmation cards, which I know you're a huge fan of. I have some weekly challenges in there for the family to do together and then reflect on. So it's a big old book with lots of resources. Excellent. I, I was looking through it. I was like, ooh, this is so good. <laughs> so thank you for sharing. And thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Okay, listeners, please make sure you visit the speaker interview page and download all the incredible free resources. Be sure to listen to the other micro audio topics in this series so that you can have better relationships with your kids, more confidence in your parenting, and less stress in your life. Thanks for listening.